Welcome to The Property Den with Ken and Glenn. Come and join experienced property investors and mortgage brokers, Ken and Glenn, as they get the answers to the questions you've been waiting to ask. Nothing is off the table as they dive headfirst into all things property related. This is the podcast you never knew you needed, but now cannot live without. The Property Den with Ken and Glenn. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Very singy-songy. Hello, Glenn. How are we hello. doing today? Good. I'm good. What an, uh, another week. I say every week, but what a week again. It's all changed again, isn't it? Yeah, well, has the market crashed? Have you, has, it, <laughs> has it tumbled down like all these doomsayers were saying? I don't know if you tell me. No, it hasn't. <laughs> you know, on TikTok, this, I don't know if you get it on your lives, but it's the lives I get it. You mm. get these people who, like, they're like lectures. They come on, and they're trying to suck the life and soul out mm, of the, the, the energy and the mood. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a crash. Don't trust the bank. They're crooks. Yeah, uh, every single it's all, it's all corrupt, and then they then they leave the life. Yeah, well, I, I had I've got a couple who are, they just keep on. So I, mm. I stupidly though I acknowledge it. I said, "Thanks for your comment. It's good to know it's all doom and gloom. Uh, why don't you go somewhere else and spread the love?" And they, <laughs> but then I, I then they stay, and then you've got yeah. to ignore it. But uh, but it's the haters. It's the haters that um, that help your channel, which yeah. is strange. Yeah, well, they're the ones that keep commenting and. Yeah, well, they, it does. Have a little bit of hate isn't a bad thing. It's always good to get different opinions as well. I had someone yeah. yesterday tell me that I'm not, I'm, I'm not a real broker, and that <laughs> I'm a crook, and don't believe anything he says. He's not even. Always up my doubts. He's not even qualified. I said, Dad, get off the channel. <laughs> yeah, it was actually me. <laughs> well, I saw you come on and say hello, but I'm always conscious <laughs> the time I'm doing my stuff. You're generally dealing with the kids, aren't you? Getting them ready yeah, for bed. That's true. Yeah, that's shoving, true. shoving them in the bath or whatever, and then getting them that's ready. It. For for the bedtime that's it. we've and got we've one. got loads of stuff though to go through haven't we today so, so basically so, shut up ken yeah. <laughs> get on Hopefully. with it because we've got a very short window of time yes so the markets what's been going on in the markets glenn this week so swap rates so um well basically the swap rates which everything let's drill it right down for the listeners so the swap rates are how all sort of like the with bank of england the mortgage lenders how they compare their mortgage rates that they're going to pass on to the general public is all based on the swap rates. And that's like the money markets where they can borrow money um, and then they can pay it back within a certain period of time and then the profit margin in between. So the swap rates are like your mortgage rate. They go high or they go low. But the swap rates um, have have gone up. So it whereas we were looking at the swap rates, just, well, they were starting to come down and they've just gone back up again. So... You know, there's a lot of, um, especially in, from recording this in the last 24 to 48 hours, there's a lot of mortgage lenders that last week were dropping their rates and now they've pulled their rates and they're looking to put them back up again. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, have you heard any more? Because you probably get the same emails as me, Ken. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's the news on the street is obviously with the swap rates. I mean, the good thing is a lot of lenders have already priced in to a certain degree. Yeah. So there's a bit of future forecasting. So the rates are there. But Obviously, there's only a certain amount of profit that they're making. So if the swap rates are going up, the margins are tighter, and then they have to redress. I mean, when Quasi Quarting and the whole debacle there with this trust, this is why lenders started pulling rates, guys. You know, the swap rates, they didn't know where the market was. They didn't know where their profit mm. margins were. So they hiked up the swap rates, and lenders just could not bring deals to market that were profitable. So they had to pull them for a period. So when everybody yeah. was pulling their hair, I think, what the hell is going on with the market? Is the bottom falling out? Um, it's all to do with the swap rates. Base rate, obviously, is an indicator for the general public. They see the base rate go up. They think, okay, interest rates are going up. And then they're really surprised when they call us and they found out that actually as the margin started to ease on the swap rates, lenders were reducing rates. And mm. it didn't make sense to them. And it's because that direct correlation to the base rate is what most people think 
is driving those yeah. rates. And yeah, are, definitely. Are with trackers, obviously, you know, trackers are one thing. But no, I mean, swap rates definitely an indicator of where we're at. Well, so I mean, should... we've we've had um, BDMs, the business development managers, come into our office, and some of them have said that with some of the products, they're not making profit on them, but they have to have the rates that low purely to be a player in the market. So yeah. they're just not ignored. Um, and, they yeah. Have, yeah, and they have to increase their products to, with uh, their their profit margins with other products that they have. It's just crazy, really. It's a real balance act. It is. And obviously, every you know, the, the two and five question keeps coming up and people are trying to, why is five cheaper than two when two's always been sort of lower? It's, it's all this different banks just trying to find their profit margin, trying to make it work for them, isn't it? But mm. yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of lost leaders, but that, that will change, I'm sure. Yeah, I, and, and I, I still, I'm still a believer. I'm a positive thinker that the, with, especially with the rates that my personal opinion is, I think that they they will start coming down. But like, like we've always said, we haven't got a crystal ball. We don't know. You always will go with what your gut feeling is as a customer um, and what you can afford. But it's not all doom and gloom. And I guess moving yeah. on to... Moving inflation. On to, yeah, that's positive. In my yeah. eyes, that is a positive. I mean, inflation has come down. For, it was over, what was it, nearly 11%? Or was it 11%? Yeah. It's now gone down to 8.7%, which is yeah. a huge drop. Single digits. Yeah, really, really positive move. Um but again, we have to watch it, don't we? Because it can spike, it can go back up. Mm. Um, but that's a real positive to see that come down because it, they were hoping it was going to come down. Actually, it, it sort of gone up a small margin. And this is mm. why some of the swap rates and everything else were affected. But if the inflation can get under control, then swap rates will start to ease. And Bank of England, obviously, the base rate will start coming down. And the governor said, hasn't he, when it starts to come down, it will come down sharply and at pace, which is yeah. really good news. But everybody's just waiting for it waiting mm. but no the inflation really good what does it mean to everybody obviously if inflation's easing it means that maybe the cost of living will start to ease a little bit uh, you know i saw a wonderful stat that just shows uh, and you and i for those that don't know me and glenn we're a bit green-fingered we like being in the garden we like growing mm. veg we like plants you know we're pretty much outdoorsy mm -hmm. people and the price you know with inflation and all the the food shortages cucumbers the price of cucumbers has gone up 52 percent Wow. I don't like cucumbers. I don't like cucumbers, but I that's it. You can grow them. They're so easy to grow. So yeah, they are. Yeah. Cucumbers, cucumbers, courgettes, sweet corn. It's all on the go. Potatoes, onions. Yeah, you've got to be careful with courgettes, though, haven't you? You maybe grow two or three. Well, yeah, you grow two or three thinking that maybe one or two might not work. You get one plant, but they so they give so much. And if you don't if you don't pick them off quickly enough. You go from courgette to marrow very uh, quickly. I've got six plants in the beds. What, so I think you I'm you can't eat that much. You can't eat that many courgettes. I'll sell them. I made a fifty percent profit. Well, yeah. You tell everybody they're cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need to do. So um, there you go, guys. We've got swap rates, inflation. Uh, obviously, a little bit of negative, a little bit of positive. We'll have to see how that all unfolds. And uh, obviously, the impact on mortgage rates, Glenn. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing, as you said, some lenders pulling, and, and obviously, rates going up. Um, whereas we were hoping, weren't we, that every time lenders, you know, clients come back, we fix our rate and then we're saying, look, that six month window, if it goes down, we can change it. But if mm. it goes up, obviously you've got the best deal at that time. So at least you're yeah. secure. And I think that's paying dividends for some of these clients now. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and again, going back to the positives, there are still some mortgage lenders out there that are holding firm with their lower rates. 
Um, there's only a few. And again, it goes back to that individual bank, their margins, what their goal is, mm. you know, their overheads, all them sort of things. So it's not all, not every bank follows suit. Some are in a really comfortable financial position or they think, no, we've factored all of these in. Um, and that's why sometimes some of the rates are low. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still positive within the market because we've been there, we've been through this, haven't we, Ken? We've been through COVID, we've yeah. been through Brexit, we've been through... Uh, changes in government we've been through everything really and everyone comes out okay in the end as long as they do it the right way yeah you've just got to be patient with a lot mm. of this stuff but the, you know this is the value of brokers you know you come to us and we look at the market and it's not just one stop shop it's you know we're looking at your situation your criteria and we're we're bespoke you know we tailor it to you um yeah. i wanted to just reach out uh, and say a quick hello uh, sorry glenn i'll throw this in quickly and then we'll mm. get on with some of these amazing questions um, for those that don't know, obviously, me and Glenn, we're on LinkedIn, we're on a lot of social media, we're on TikTok, obviously, and we're everywhere, really. Uh, Glenn, Glenn's more prolific, prolific, prolific. There you go, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we got a really nice message from uh, David, didn't we, who um, on LinkedIn, um, mm. basically saying how he's enjoying the show, and that it's really helping him. He's he's budding to become a broker, and he's, he's doing his qualifications, and actually the content and the podcast is helping him cement some of the things that he's learning. So a big shout out to David. Thanks for following us. And thanks to everybody that's been listening to the show on a regular. Uh, It's really nice to get the comments, isn't it? It is. And it really does make a difference because sometimes it's quite a silent audience. We do this and we we don't get the feedback. We get, obviously, we see all the views and stuff like that and the follows, but you don't get the instant feedback. And, And if you are listening and you do enjoy it and you do tune in and you think, actually, that's quite a good, you know, little nugget of information that I've just got there, give us feedback because it's great because we would love to give you a shout out or we would love to at least you know acknowledge that area if we wanted to do more information on it so yeah i think it was well well worth the mention Ken. yeah and don't forget if you're suffering with insomnia you can listen to this and it'll help you go to sleep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so many benefits so many benefits <clears throat> excuse me right okay let's get on then so let oh I'll buy to let's dead. <laughs> sorry, sorry, is that a question? Uh, it is a, a question. Shall I take over, Ken? Please, yes. You're so much more professional than I am. So we've got some questions that have come in. Um, and these ones basically cover off a, a real range. So I thought, right, well, let's let's go through because we get loads of questions coming in. So it's like trying to keep it relevant and not repeating ourselves every single week. So this question is first, and this is interest-only mortgages. What are they, and can everyone get them? Ken, do you want to answer that? <laughs> Thanks, Len. <laughs> uh, yeah, so brought it back down to a professional level. Interest-only mortgages, obviously, you know, if you borrow £100,000 and you have an interest-only mortgage for 25 years, in 25 years' time, even though you've been paying money monthly, it's only been the interest, and in 25 years' time, you still owe the bank £100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more widely used in buy to let investments these days, but back in the good old days, um, it was the main way that most people got a residential mortgage and then they would have some sort of repayment vehicle next to it, like an investment called an endowment. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember endowments, they went through a real bad press because actually they weren't meeting the targets. So a lot of people were left with a shortfall and that was really painful because they got to the end of 25 years and still owed a lot of money because the investments were poor. So the market's changed a lot. Lenders have a lot more restrictions on who can have it, what the reasons are, and therefore it is not as common as it used to be. They're still there. For the right person with the right income, the right level of equity in the property, and for the right reasons, it's still a feasible thing, but it's not an everyday thing on residentials, much more common for buy-to-lets, don't you think, Len? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason why it's more common on buy to lets is because the lenders in a, in a way, this isn't the, the main reason, but in a way they look at it as not such a high risk because it's not the roof over your head and you've, you've got your income to potentially support a lower mortgage payment and you've got a tenant in the property, which is also paying generally over what the mortgage payment would be in most cases. So it's a lot less risk, so they allow it. Um, and especially with buy-to-lets, generally they're an income stream or income generating asset so you want that money coming in every month so if it was on a repayment mortgage then you, your profit would be less so people would be more less inclined to probably invest so it's a, probably a different question for another podcast maybe to go into detail but um interest only yeah i mean it, like ken said there, there is there is options out there and we're finding more and more people asking because of interest rates mortgage rates going up it's making their repayments on their mortgages a lot higher and they may not be able to extend their mortgage term because of their age so they're asking for a period of time to go interest only. And there are lenders out there that are looking at it at the moment as an option. And yeah. like Ken said, for the right customer. So it's worth asking. Definitely um, worth asking. Yeah. yeah. It's like anything in life, isn't it? You don't know till you know. Just ask exactly. the question. Um, so actually, that follows on quite nicely to the next question, which is the one I threw out earlier <laughs> because I was laughing about it. Oh, buy to let's dead, Glenn. Yeah, I, I've got asked that quite a lot. A lot of people said, because I... As, as people know, our regular listeners, I've got buy to let properties. I know you have Ken as well. So we sort of like, we we talk the talk and walk the walk as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, it's definitely sort of quietened down in the buy to let market for people purchasing. And I think that's purely because a lot of the situation is with lenders is that there's something called a um, uh, stress testing. So it means that whereas when mortgage rates were low on buy to lets, the rental income used to cover the the amount of mortgage that you needed to to borrow. Um, so, for instance, if you was paying a rate of three percent in the background, the lenders would stress it of say five percent to make sure that it's affordable. Well, the problem is, is now rates are up to sort of five six percent on buy to lets, so they're stressing. Some of them are stressing around eight or nine yeah, percent, and that crazy. isn't meeting the criteria that you need to either buy a buy to let, borrow the amount that you need, or even remortgage. So it's really stalled the market. So until obviously all this inflation gets under control, mortgage rates start coming down, lenders start getting a little bit more confident. Um, it is hard. It's definitely not dead in the question. Um, you know, there are still a lot of buy-to-let investors that I speak to that are very, very keen. They've seen projects, have seen properties, they want to do renovation work, and they are very much in the mindset, well, actually, I've done the figures and it still works. Yeah. So there's still really good options out there. And it's like anything. All we need is the wind to change and it to be more positive. And then all the doors are going to open for people to then start buying buy to lets. The margins that people have at the moment, even if they're tight now, if later on when they're renewing the rates and things like that and the rates are lower, uh, then obviously those margins are going to ease and it's going to become more profitable again. <clears throat> but I think one of the things that a lot of people see, excuse the frog in the throat, is the fees that lenders are mm. charging. That's yeah. putting a lot of people off because you've got to take a higher rate to get a more standard fee. You want the yeah. best rate, you're going to be charged like 3% fees, which is, yeah. which is becoming a bit of a roadblock. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, £7,000 fees, £10,000 fees, plus, you know, you've got all of that being added onto the mortgage as well. So again, you know, it's, that's why it's important to speak to a broker to make sure that they do all the numbers and to, and yeah. to factor it all in. Um but yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's still a very, very good asset that can pay you twice, potentially. You get an income and obviously you've got the capital growth. You've got the downsides as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I, I think it's I think it's really good. Yeah, 
I agree. I think there's a lot of younger investors coming in. I think a lot of the older guys are maybe leaving the market. I think there is a tide of change, but mm. 100% agree. There's there's a lot of room for people in there. And if you're thinking about doing it, reach out to us. Um, yeah. And uh, both me and Glenn, we can be involved and we can help and give you some of our guidance. What's yeah. next, Glenn? So we've got some social media questions. We have Johnny B567. This is a good one. We don't have this come up a lot and it's a really good one. Very important. Life insurance, do I need it if I have a mortgage, Ken? It's not compulsory, but I would recommend that you need it, yes. Um, and I get a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, but I'm single. I don't have any family, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, but this is a long-term venture. What if you do meet someone? What if you do have children? And then you, you know, you're much older and you try and take out life insurance then it's going to cost you more money. It's better mm. to plan ahead. <laughs> than and that's the thing. Yeah. Adding to that, a lot of people aren't aware of it. Obviously, with life insurance, unfortunately, it is inevitable for all of us at some stage. Um, but it's a, the older you are, every year, every birthday that you get that year older, you are closer to that judgment day. <laughs> and it means that the, the insurance company see that as a higher risk because they say, well, you are getting older. So I'm going to put your premium up, potentially, your monthly payment up, potentially. So the younger, in most cases, the younger that you get life insurance in place, you can fix that payment for the whole term or for a whole fixed period, and it won't change. And, you know, that's when, you, when you're when you 20 years older and you're paying this minimal amount for your life insurance, you're going to look back and go, that's a great decision. Great, great decision. And um, I think, you know, when people are looking at life insurance, I think, they would be surprised at how reasonably priced it is. You mm. know, when you come, you know, to some it's, it's comparable to a takeaway or a meal out with the family. It's really mm. is money well spent. And it's money you're never going to regret if, and I say you regret, you'll be dead. Uh, so, you know, you won't be around to regret it. So let's put that out there. But, the family, but if you're a partner, yeah. Yeah, the family you were left behind, you know, peace of mind, they're going to be taken care of. I think and I have, you know, and, and I have unfortunately had some cases where, People have taken out protection, which is a really good thing. Um, and they have lost a partner. And um, I had one where there was a, a couple and uh, the gentleman was in his 50s, still working, you know, planned for his retirement. Um, and he passed away suddenly. Yeah. They had a life insurance policy in place, a joint one. They paid out the full policy. It actually was a level term one. So it was more than what their mortgage was um and they cleared the mortgage so the wife didn't have any mortgage she didn't have the financial worry obviously she just had the emotional stress of the situation she didn't have to worry about the finance but also the extra money she actually gave to her daughter as a deposit on a house yeah that's amazing, what a nice legacy yeah for that to happen for, for yeah. a premium and that's the thing you're hoping it's not going to happen but you know we take car insurance because we have to legally you know we, nobody thinks we're a bad driver nobody thinks we're going to have a crash everybody thinks somebody's going to bump into them so but they take mm. it because they have to i really do think in this country that we need to be more protective minded you know protect your family look at the cost include it in your mortgage budget it has to be in there guys but because it's not compulsory a lot of people just say oh, i'll do it later or i'll leave it or i don't want it ken um, and it's something they don't physically see. No. Like if you if you spend forty pounds a month or less, for an example, thirty pounds, and you go and have a Chinese takeaway, you can eat it and enjoy it and yeah. see it. Whereas with life insurance, is something hopefully that you will never see the benefit of unless you're it's a joint application or something like that. Um, but you got to like exactly what you've just said. This is what I say to a lot of my clients: is add it in to as if it's your mortgage payment yeah. and never cancel it. 
yeah unless you speak to a professional first yeah i mean there may be reasons for cancelling but really it's it's got to be the last thing on the agenda cancel yeah. sky and all the rest of it first and maybe don't have that chinese yeah gotta go quantum exactly. cook it at home exactly. uh, <laughs> right let's uh let's crack on then kelly t love um i love this i get this on tiktok so much can i buy my council house and do i get a discount Simple answer is it depends on your council, depends on your house, yeah. um, and it depends on your situation. So it's always worth ringing the council and asking because some councils are happy to, and also uh, many councils actually give you a qu quite a considerable reduction in price. And and I know that I've done a video on it, and I think Ken has as well um, on our TikTok channels that you can actually use the deposit, which the which is the deduction that the council will give you of that property as your deposit. So that yeah. deduction of your class as your deposit. You haven't actually got to fork out any money to potentially buy that house, but there's other factors involved, like your income, your outgoings, your age. Um, so again, you know, if that is something after you've spoken to the council, after listening to this and you go, oh God, I can actually, I can actually buy my council house, reach out to Ken or myself. Yeah. Um, and we can run the figures and it might be might be life-changing for you great great way to get on the ladder if, if that discount is there the one thing i would say unfortunately it does happen time to time is that they, they give you the discount but then if the mortgage still is not affordable the lender won't lend you the difference mm -hmm. um you're scuppered but it is you know if you can do it it is amazing really is amazing way of getting on the property ladder um yeah. so one one to be mindful of in that discount is your deposit brilliant mm -hmm. thanks glenn yeah. really good um, we've got also we've got Janesh one one six seven. This is through TikTok as well. Um, for you, Kim, how long does it take to get a mortgage in principle, and why do they actually need one? <laughs> All right, let's start with how long. To be fair, when I when I first speak to my clients, I'm I'm sure it's similar to you, Glenn. I say do the preamble, you know, have a chat, explain fees, what we're going to do, and then I'll send them an email with lots of bits and pieces that they have to return. And they'll say, oh, how long is it going to take? So, well, it's really going to be driven by you. How quickly can you get that paperwork back to me? Because mm -hmm. that's the paperwork I need to be able to assess, to make a recommendation of lender. And then obviously we will key the decision in principle. But if you get it back to me, 24 to 48 hours, depending on how busy we are. And then the lenders, more often than not, will be automatic. So as soon as we key the information, we will get an outcome generally straight away, unless the lender feels that there's something they need to review. And that does happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we have got it whereby, you know, the lender might say, it's been referred and 24, 48 hours might be something like that. And, you know, I think in the big scheme of things, that's not too long because actually I think people do feel, oh, is it going to take weeks to get an answer? And it doesn't. Um, and actually no. when we get these referrals, they're not every day. So they're, they're the, you know, they're the unusual, not the norm. So in mm. most part, we get the outcome straight away. And the reason that you need it, really, really simple if I said to you, oh, I've just found a house on, on Zoopla or Rightmove on one of the property you know, pages, uh, do you want to go view it? And you, yeah, let's go view it. And you like it. And you say, we're going to put an offer down. And let's say it's just a 500,000 pound house and you've got 50 grand, 10% deposit. And you say, yeah, we've got to put an offer in. And they accept it and you're excited and it's, the world is changing for you. You're imagining the bedding, the, the garden, the barbecues. And then you come to me, I say, Ken, brilliant. Well, we got this place. Woo -woo. Uh, mm. And I did the decision in principle and the bank says they can only lend you 300 grand. And it's like the world just has fallen apart for you. You're gutted, you're disappointed. You've got the embarrassment of maybe for an empty stage and say, sorry, but we can't do this. The person that's selling is disappointed because they thought they'd got a buyer. Mm. Um, you just want to know your budget, guys. You've got to be firm about your budget. It's like anything in life. If you know 
that the bank is willing to lend you 450,000 and you've got your 50 grand, you're in a really strong position putting an offer down and you can go there with some confidence that that is something that actually tangibly could happen for you. Bear in mind, it's in principle. The bank always says, no matter whether it's an AIP, MIP, DIP, they're all something in principle, guys, which means that it's always subject to a full mortgage application, evaluation, assessment of documents. But 100%, Janesh, you want to know that your budget's there. I know that's a long answer, Glenn. Anything you want to add to that? No, it's, no, it's spot on. Um, and again, it, it's just giving and it's being prepared, which I always say, you know, so make sure that you are prepared because a lot of people do, you know, go on the, the property search websites and they go, oh, and they go and view it and they love it. Like you said, Ken, and it's like, oh, it's perfect. It's three doors away from whoever and mm. yada, yada, yada. Um, and you get emotionally attached to it. And yeah. it's, it's a really bitter pill to swallow when you're told that you can't have it. Um, so the best thing, you know, and it's, it's human nature that we just want everything instantly, especially these days. But it's very important to, before you even look, you know, speak to your bank or a broker or us um, and, you know, get yourself in a position where you know what your budget is. That's your ceiling. Don't go over it. And just go with a real open mind with your mortgage in principle in place, like Ken said. And if you can show an evidence that to an estate agent, an estate agent is going to be more inclined to go, these guys are good. Yeah, they this know what they're doing. Good. They're yeah, prepared. they're prepared. Yeah. They've got their broker in place. They're ready to go. They will give that feedback to the vendor who is the seller of the property. And then they will be like, right, okay. So, yeah, they seem very, very keen. And your class is a motivated buyer. Um, and that means that you've got a really good chance of having that property accepted. Whereas if you go yeah. with no mortgage in principle, you just go with your heart on your sleeve. And go, We're not sure at the moment what we can borrow, but um, um, and there's loads of erms and not sure's. You'll probably go to the back of the list. Yeah, um, that's it. I mean, if, if, you and I, if you and I turned up and you've got the decision in principle, I haven't, and our selling position is still the same, you're definitely going to be the more favorable person that to for the estate agent because they yeah. want their money. They want to be able to sell the property. You're definitely more movable, you know, and as you say, you're more motivated. Um, there's all the other things to take into account. Um, I've got an example of a client that was looking at a property, um, a beautiful little place in Wales around a marina, and they were looking at properties there, and they thought they found a perfect place. It's going to be a second home. But when they did their research, they found out that second homes in Wales, the council, the council apply a larger council tax. So mm. um, if the normal council tax was going to be maybe, I don't know, I say 200, the council tax for this apartment on the marina was £450 a month. Is that purely because of it being a second home? Because it's a second home and they're trying to dissuade second homes. Uh, and if you can afford a second home, they're basically penalising you. They're trying to get more money in the revenue in the pocket. Um, you know, this is Swansea, Swansea City Council. Just throw that out there because it's fact. It's not not slanderous. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but they they are very keen to try. They want people who live in the area to be able to afford homes in the area and yeah. stay in the area. And all these people that buy second homes, holiday homes, and maybe it's empty for most of the year. They're trying to penalize that to make it more expensive to try to dissuade. So there's more property, which is a, a good idea. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's plenty of people. I'm sure they've got millionaire rows down on sandbanks who probably just come over once a year from Dubai or whatever and spend some time in the summer there. And they're just yeah. empty and there's people that are homeless. So I get the reason for it, but mm. I think because they've done the research and they've seen all these other costs, all of a sudden the numbers for the mortgage seemed affordable, but actually the whole picture when you factor in all these other things just made it untenable. And yeah. that's, again, that's the value of doing your research. It's not just about, it's, and we've done this before, Glenn, we've said, 
It's not just the mortgage. It's not just making sure the mortgage is affordable. Take into account the rates and the cost of living. Take into account your council tax. Do you have to commute? Is it going to cost you more? You do really have to look at so many different factors when buying a property. It's not just can I afford the mortgage? And we buy to lets as well. You know, you think, oh, interest only, it's great. My rent's really good. Okay, great. But if it if it if it's not near where you live, you're going to need it managed. What's mm. the fee on that? What's what happens if the tenant doesn't pay their rent one month? Are you going to have rental insurance? How much is that a, yeah. a month? You know, uh, the building insurance. All of these little factors that you start adding up, and they they can become hundreds and hundreds. And then before you know it, you're not actually making a lot of profit, but yeah, you're putting a lot of stuff in um so again it, like exactly what you've said ken it, you have to add it all up everything yeah. and don't be no rose tinted glasses just because you want to buy the property yeah you've got to be realistic with yourself and the figures yeah well we had a question on on live yesterday which was a, a young lady that was saying should i buy what i can afford or should i push myself a little bit further and i think when you're thinking about buying um it's always nice to push a little because sometimes if you push a little bit harder now you might get something that maybe you can't get later but you don't want to push so far that you're stuck in the house. You can't go on holiday. You can't go down the pub. You can't get a takeaway. You couldn't even go to the park and buy an ice cream. You know, mm. there's no point buying a place that just traps you. It's better to find something that's affordable and you can always upscale later. You know, hopefully the market changes, equity comes in the property and you can you can make those jumps like we did. You know, we didn't mm. start in a big house. We started in flats or small smaller places and grew. And hopefully, you know, you'll be able to do the same. Uh, but like anything in life, you know, it's always best to get good advice. And that's where we hope you're getting nuggets of gold from us on our podcast. You've got our channels on TikTok. Uh, Glenn, what's your channel on TikTok? Glenn Russell Property. And that's on TikTok and Instagram. And the business is RFS Mortgages or Russell Financial Solutions. So just Google that. And, and you can. I'm everything mortgages on TikTok. Thanks, Glenn. My, my links are getting smoother, but sometimes I'm not so good at listening. <laughs> so I'm everything mortgages on TikTok. Um, CMS underscore mortgage on uh, Insta. And we're both on good old LinkedIn, Ken James, Contractor Mortgage Services. And we're here to help, guys. Um, and, you know, again, like we said last week and like we continue to say, uh, we value your listening. Um, People like David, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, it's really good that we're touching people and helping. I say touching sounds rude. Uh, we're not getting arrested. <laughs> touching people in an educational sense. Mm. Um, and it's really good that we're reaching people. I, I really do enjoy that. I think it's one of the, the real pluses of doing what we do. Especially to know that the people are waiting for the podcast to come out. I think that's amazing, really. Yeah. It's, it's more, I mean, for, for when we had, well, you had the idea, Ken, many months ago, to now we, we've got a really good following and getting loads of feedback and you know i think it's i think it's great and we will continue to do it as long as people want us to indeed we will and it's nice i mean we've got good synergy and i hope people enjoy it and they can hear it and actually next week uh, as we record we're coming into half term so next week we're going to have a little rest for a week glenn's going off with the family to enjoy mm -hmm. i'm going to be stuck here working because all these other brokers are on holiday so i'm going to be much busier doing all their business uh, so i'm still going to be here and my daughter's back from uni so i'm sure there'll be some shopping lists that she'll need doing um but we're gonna we're gonna skip next week but we will be back the week after so don't be disappointed if next week you don't see just go listen to the other 13 episodes before this one and yeah. refresh yourself and on all the things and watch all our videos on tiktok <laughs> yeah watch all our videos <laughs> on tiktok so we're gonna wrap this up so it is goodbye from ken and it's goodbye from glenn goodbye goodbye <laughs>